Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and this week we're going to talk about blue-red in Phyrexia All We Won. Um, as always, the notes are available to follow along at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. And getting right into it, while blue-red technically performs better than all of the Sultai pairs, it's within 5% of each of them, so it's basically tied in a four-way tie for worst archetype uh this set as i see it basically like about half of the color pairs kind of like work and about half of them don't and uh blue red is in the doesn't work uh category that's not to say it's unplayable or you can't draft it but i do think that it had an intended theme that doesn't really come through, and I would feel reasonably comfortable straight up calling a trap. Blue-red reads like a Spells Matter deck, and I would consider that a complete miss. Notably, Serum Core Chimera, the blue-red uncommon, performs worse in blue-red than more than 10 of different commons in blue-red. But notably, it still performs better than Icker Synthesizer, which uh, looks like another kind of blue-red signpost common. So if you're going to play blue and red together, you do not want to try to like do the kind of prescribed blue-red thing with like oil and spells matter. Those cards, even Trawler Drake, are not good and don't perform well. I think that there is a way to draft Blue-Red that is not about those and can succeed, but that whole thing is a trap. There's some good news here, though. Basically, whenever an archetype is a trap and the things that it tells you it should do are not things that you should do, the observed win rate is going to be lower than uh, the win rate if you don't fall into that trap. So it's possible that uh, Blue-Red's very low win rate in 17 lands is a result of too many people trying to do the thing that doesn't work. And if you do the stuff that does work, basically just playing the good cards, then you might see results that are better than uh, those 17 lands uh, average stats for the archetype. Um, so if you're not trying to do the spells matter thing, what should you do or why should you be blue-red? I think the best reason to be blue-red is for the combo of... Uh, Barb Batterfist or Hexgold Halberd, either of the two mana red uh, for Mirrodin equipment, into Unctus's Retrofitter, which allows you to attack for six on turn three and have a two three toxic one uh, blocker. And that just puts your opponent under a tremendous amount of pressure if they don't have an immediate removal spell for the Retrofitter. That simple interaction is really the best thing going on. And failing that, there are some other things you can do that aren't as good, but that's kind of where you want to be. The biggest weakness uh, or trap that Blue-Red falls into 
kind of more structurally rather than just like, hey, this spells thing doesn't work, is it's really easy for blue-red to be too small ball. For all of your cards to kind of interact only with numbers kind of three and below, I guess four with Hex Gold Slash against Toxic specifically, but it's really easy to have a problem where your cards just kind of are too low impact to interact with like green or black or bigger red cards. And if you just play too much of the like kind of like, you know, cheap, just the cheap cards, if you play too many of the cheap cards, then your deck, you both need to draw your cards in the right order. And there are some decks that your cards just don't function against. So I think that you need to be really mindful when you're playing blue-red to uh, make sure that you have high-impact cards. The real trick to navigate is figuring out like what your role is and what your deck is doing. Despite the fact that you're not toxic, I don't think that you want to think of yourself as a mid-ranger control deck. I've talked about how, in general, a deck not being toxic means that you're kind of definitionally in this format positioning yourself to play control in the early game because you don't want to get uh, corrupted. And then you can kind of turn the corner later. I think with blue-red, the play pattern is kind of like that. But I think that because your cards tend to be pretty low impact by default, I think that you really want to think of yourself as an aggressive deck. But the problem is that none of your actual cheap cards are very good at attacking. And again, the biggest danger is having all of your stuff be too low impact. So you need to avoid conflating aggressive with low curve. Everything in this format wants, you know, plays at the bottom of the curve. But I think in this deck, you want some like higher curve stuff. You want your chimney rabbles and your furnace striders as high priorities. And you want like good numbers of those cards. So you're kind of in the like big proactive space that red green occupies in a lot of sets. So you're basically, you know, it's good if you play something early, but you're really about, you know, these big hasty creatures and trying to, you know, turn the corner and win the race the same way that red's really doing in a lot of places that I've talked about with like red, black and stuff. And so to get into more detail, like the good commons, the cards you're looking to play basically in order are chimney rebel, the four mana three, uh, three, three, that comes with the one, one, the three, three has haste, the one, one doesn't barbed batter fist, the two mana, uh, for Mirrodin equipment that comes with, that gives a creature plus one minus one, so it basically comes with a three one. Itaxian Raptor, the one four uh, flying oil creature that can uh, plus one minus one by spending oil, which notably plays really well with the Barbed Batter Fist. Because the problem with Gitaxian uh, um, Raptor is that it doesn't do a lot of damage over time because unless you're spending oil it's only attacking for one you only have three total oil to spend so you know over several turns it's mostly just hitting for one a turn but if you put the batter fist on it now it's like usefully clocking your opponent hex gold slash the uh one mana two damage or four damage to a toxic 
Furnace Strider, the five mana, five, four that comes with two oils and can give haste to itself or other things. Axiom Engraver, the one, three rummager. And Volt Charge, the three mana, three damage, proliferate uh, instant. Those are basically the commons you're looking for. You want basically as many of them as possible and basically in that order. So note, Jataxian Raptor is the best blue common and really the only blue common to be prioritizing in this archetype. I also, you know, like, I think that some Raptors are very good. They uh, are really good at blocking, like, anything that costs one, two, or three. And then as long as you have some equipment to pair with them, they turn the corner pretty well, the evasion's useful. But they, they do a good job of, you know, the, like... <laughs> I guess kind of the thing that blue-white's often doing, where you have some defensive creatures and some attacking creatures, usually with blue-white, the defensive creatures are on the ground and the attacking creatures are in the air. Here you have that dynamic kind of flipped, where your blockers fly, which is good because you can stop opposing little flyers, and then your ground guys are like big hasty aggro cards. So you uh, play the raptor to just kind of like hold everything back, and then you start getting in with your hasty creatures that uh, follow it up. There are some other blue cards that aren't bad to have in this deck. Experimental Augury can be fine. That's the Anticipate Proliferate card. I think it's okay to have like one Vivisurgeon's Insight. That's the draw three Proliferate. I would prefer not to have it, but if you have to, it's fine. Similar situation with Mesmerizing Dose. That's kind of the claustrophobia that uh, proliferates. This deck doesn't get a ton of value out of the Proliferate most of the time, so I don't think it's especially good, but it's playable because it can at least interact with the like big creatures that your red removal can't. It's okay to have a Quicksilver Fisher. That's the 4-3 flyer that rummage or that loots when you play it as kind of just like another high impact attacker if you don't have enough furnace striders. And then I think kind of the best of the like non-raptor blue commons is actually Chrome Prowler, the three mana three two flash that taps the thing when it enters. Looking at successful blue-red decks, so I kind of prepared the notes for this, had the basic principle about, you know, the deck wanting to be proactive, aggressive, but not like weenie, um, you know, big proactive. Um, and then I looked at the decks that were successful, and I think that uh, for the most part, it looked pretty similar. And one of the decks that was successful had seven Chrome Prowlers. And I was curious, so I actually watched most of the games that that deck played. 17 Lands is great, by the way. You can uh, really go into as much detail as you want, studying basically anything. If you look at their recent trophy decks, you can actually watch the draft and every game played with that deck. So if there's an archetype you're curious about, you can look at the best decks, see how they were drafted, see how the game is played. Anyway, enough plugging 17 lands, but it's great. <laughs> but yeah, they had seven Chrome Prowlers, and basically the games were just tap your things with Chrome Prowlers, attack with Chrome Prowlers, follow them up with Chimney Rebel, and just push damage and win races. And uh, you, you don't need seven Chrome Prowlers to like do that kind of thing, but it pairs well with what you should be trying to do with red. And then Malkator's Watcher and Icarus Synthesizer are kind of like you're also ran two drops. Like you're much, much happier to have Axiom Engravers and Barb Batter Fists. But if you have to have the 
uh, two mana, one, one flying vigilance that draws a card when it dies or the uh, one, three that gets an oil counter when you cast a non-creature spell and eventually becomes a three power unblockable creature. You know, those are okay failure to round out your curve, but they should not be prioritized over any of the good cards. Uncommons are important. There aren't that many commons that you want, so you need to find some good uncommons. Uh, Cinder Slash Ravager, the red-green 5-5 that costs less for oil and does damage to all of your opponent's stuff and has vigilance and is totally busted, uh, is better than all the cards in your colors and definitely worth splashing if you're blue-red. Retrofitter is the best non-rare that's actually in your colors. Rebel Salvo is the best removal because it actually answers the big creatures that you're generally not great at answering. All of those are really high priorities. Immobilizer can help deal with big stuff if you don't have Salvo or just whatever. It's another one of your other few good answers to big things. Exuberant Fuseling, the uh, one mana, one, one trampler that, well, it's like a star one or whatever. Uh, Power equal to the number of oil counters starts with one and then grows when you're... uh, artifacts and creatures die. Um, I think this card is pretty good and pretty relevantly informs your deck building and gameplay because if you can hit your opponent with it multiple times after it gets big, it's very easy to win a game with it. And the best way to do that is if you have some kind of uh, instant that gives it toughness or that kills a creature blocking with it, your opponent is usually going to want to block it with their smallest thing because it only has one toughness and they just want to you know trade off with it and accept they're taking some trample damage but if they block with something small and then you hex gold slash or you free from flesh your uh fusling and it lives through the uh combat and they take a bunch of damage now you have this huge trampler and it's often going to be lethal or force them to like put big creatures in front of it or whatever so Worth uh, taking and prioritizing some free from flushes and hexfold slash and full charges if you can get them. Urbrask's Anointer, that's the four mana 4 2 that uh, does one damage to any target for each permanent you control with an oil counter, I think is actually largely a trap in this archetype. You need to have a lot of cards with oil to make it good, and I think a lot of the cards with oil that you would Add to your deck to support this that you wouldn't normally play. Things like Icarus Synthesizer and Glistener Seer are quite bad. So I think that I'm not going to take Urbrask's Anointer early here. But if I happen to have a lot of Axiom Engravers and uh, Jataxian Raptors, then I'm a little bit more interested. Another kind of later pick uh, red common that I want to shout out is... Volshock Splitter, that's the equipment that gives plus two plus oh. It's, you know, not something that I would say is like generally an overperformer and not an overperformer in this archetype as far as like its, you know, overall results go. But I do think that it's worth looking out for if you're heavy on Raptors as a way to, uh, you know, make those high impact actual like finisher type threats giving them two extra power you know is the bigger version of what i was talking about doing with batterfist and very relevant to talk a bit more about some of the stuff i don't think you should be doing uh glistener seer is a card i've tried a lot that has been just truly horrible it has 
some good matchups, uh, like when it gets to block early toxic creatures, but uh, so often, like there are just so many three power creatures that it is really easy for it to just not do anything. And I have not felt like the scrying makes up for going down a card, especially because I don't think that blue red has a lot of ways to like make up the card that you've lost. It's really not where I want to be. Axiom Engraver I like. Uh, it's Axiom Engraver is the good way to do everything that Glistener Seer is trying to do. But I uh, would strongly try to avoid Glistener Seer except as like a sideboard card in best of three situations. I mentioned before that like Serum Core Chimera and Trawler Drake don't perform well. I do think that there are decks where you can play Trawler Drake. I think the card that it most wants to be played with is Free From Flesh, and I don't think Free From Flesh is bad in the archetype. I think that uh, Free From Flesh helps deal with, like, you know, if you're thinking about your one-mana interaction, right? You have Hex Cold Slash and Free From Flesh. Hex Cold Slash is awesome against the Toxic decks. But if you're playing against, you know, like the red-green decks, Free From Flesh lets you, for one mana, actually kill some of their mid-sized creatures that uh, stop your creatures, um, which is sometimes better than uh, what Hexgold Slash would do. So if you have... And then, of course, Free From Flesh on Trawler Drake is amazing. It uh, gives it plus four, plus four that turn, and plus two, plus two permanently. Yeah, basically, I think it's fine to, you know, play two or three free from fleshes and if you're doing that then i'm a little bit more interested in trawler drake and of course if i'm playing trawler drake then i get a little bit more interested than i otherwise would be in experimental augury but i still don't want too many of those i really worry about uh mana that's not impacting the board in blue red where i don't want to be is playing furnace skull bomb that's another one that i've tried a lot and uh just costs too much mana for too little impact punishes you too much for drawing your cards in the wrong order where like if you draw it but you don't have a good thing to sacrifice it to put oil on then uh you have to like decide if you're gonna cycle it and then just be down a bunch of mana with nothing to show for it or if you're gonna like wait to draw the card that you want to put the oil on and then you have to find a window where you can sacrifice it to target one of your things and not have that thing get destroyed in response getting you two for one because uh, the draw card part of the spell bomb loses its target and fizzles. I think surgical skull bomb is fine. Um, that card's kind of just generically uh, pretty reasonable. Bouncing your opponent's creature is a good option that doesn't risk getting you two for one. And if you have to cycle it, that's fine. But the upside's not really there on the red skull bomb um, most of the time. The red common one mana artifact that puts an oil on something and then if you've removed an oil from something you can spend two mana to make a goblin i think is reasonable if you're not going out of your way for it um specifically i like it with axiom engraver and uh Gitaxian raptor with both freely let you remove oil by freely i mean without spending mana um so that you can uh make the goblin i would prefer to avoid playing cards that you know are only good if I have it, and I want to have enough cards to make it good. So I want you know several copies of those. But uh, in the right deck, it can do pretty well. 
And I think that's a pretty good overview of where I'm at with Blue Red right now. So I'm going to turn it over to Twitch chat for questions. Uh, any questions you have about the archetype, any maybe uh, contradictory experiences you've had with other versions of the deck that have been successful, any specific cards you're wondering about, uh, whether or not they fit here, happy to discuss. Um, while I'm letting people kind of get some questions in, this would be the segment where I would thank new patrons. Uh, no new patrons this week, that's all right. But if uh, anyone is considering uh, supporting the podcast, of course, head over to patreon.com slash drafting archetypes to uh, do that or just to uh, look at the uh, benefits and offerings and stuff like that. Really appreciate all of our patrons and uh, would, you know, certainly welcome the support. And you can get some access to notes and my uh, logs and uh, coaching discounts and all that. So, questions. No love for the scamp. I sometimes play one and uh, get lucky when drawing it early. Yeah, I think, so scamp's an interesting one, right? Because it is definitely on plan. It is an aggressive creature. It lets you um, get extra damage in, but it runs into the danger of being too low impact. Um, I do think that I prefer what Scamp is trying to do to what Glistener Seer is trying to do. I would prefer to play Scamp to playing Glistener Seer, but I think that it's, you know, it's not a card that has great stats and i think for the most part you're trying to go big enough that nickel and diming your opponent's not really what the game is about um like the added damage that scamp offers isn't really that meaningful when you have a furnace strider that's like the thing that's hitting your opponent and when you have a raptor that's making the game not a race so I think it's, you know, like an okay card to have one of. I don't think it's, you know, it's not a disaster if I see it in a deck. Every now and then it's become a card that like my opponent has and I have to answer because uh, the game is like kind of stabilized and uh, it has like enough counters on it to become threatening. But I don't think it's something that you should be prioritizing. So the next question is just kind of how does this compare to other uh, blue decks. So, like, if the reason to be drafting this is because blue is open, then, like, is red what you want to be pairing it with? Which is, from on a meta level, it's an interesting question to think about uh, the positioning of in terms of, like, oh, maybe this is really relevant because there are a lot of drafts where blue is open and I want to know what to pair it with, on the one hand. On the other hand, in those drafts where you end up blue because blue is open, you usually started some other color and you're kind of committed to whatever that color was. And then you just kind of find blue as your second color. So you don't necessarily get to choose which blue deck you are in those spots. But regardless of like how often this is going to be actionable, uh, I mean, it is the second best, I suppose, technically performing blue deck after blue white ahead of blue black and blue green but honestly blue green blue black and blue red are all really 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 close to each other i think blue green and blue red blue green i think is a little bit more defensive 
blue black is a little bit more of a weird like combo burn deck that kind of wants different cards blue white is also looking for different cards because blue white's looking for more of the artifact matter stuff that i think you generally don't want like especially i think you don't want i the 4-4 um if you've played an artifact that scries to in blue red i think that uh even though blue red can have a decent number of artifacts i think that you really need mandible justicar uh or just this year to like gain life to be able to properly race with the uh four four um i think it's a pretty big liability in uh blue red even if you're doing an artifact thing yeah they, they, they want slightly different cards but i don't think that matters all that much if blue red's open so i don't know i i think the answer is it's about as good as the others so question about uh with surgical skull bomb um if you bounce a creature to your opponent's hand what should your game plan be for blue red for really dealing with the creature when it comes back i mean the answer is your uh kind of a, your a tempo deck um meaning you know like i talk about where decks are on the like tempo to attrition axis whether you're uh trying to push damage or trade resources, whether you're really, it's fundamentally whether you're trying to end a game before your opponents used all of their cards or whether you're trying to uh, exhaust your opponent's resources and then win after they've run out of cards. And blue red is definitely uh, generally trying to be a tempo deck rather than a nutrition deck. You're trying to like finish your opponent off with your haste creatures before your opponent has gotten to play all of their cards because i think that a lot of the like especially green decks in the format if both of you just play all of your stuff um they're going to out attrition you they're going to have more bigger creatures they're going to have more card advantage and so you need to be uh pushing damage with your uh you know raptors in the air and um just like getting your big haste guys through before they have good blocks on them um so the skull bomb is a good part of that plan because you know if you're trying to end the game without your opponent being able to cast all their stuff anytime you bounce something and your opponent doesn't get to use all the cards in their hand that you basically killed that thing you know as far as like oh they have some kind of like bomb i don't have a way to really deal with i can bounce it for a little while but i don't that doesn't give me an answer to it long term yeah that's not a thing that bounce spells do and if your opponent has, you know, like the 6-6 six, six flying 4-0 uh, counters black rare, you know, the only card that's really going to deal with that is Mesmerizing Dose um, in your colors. And, uh, you know, your, your red cards just aren't, aren't going to interact with it. And, uh, you know, Skull Bomb is either going to find you time to kill them around it or it's not. Reef from Flesh plus Trawler Drake is obviously great, but Drake doesn't often get blocked, uh, so it can be hard to get a card uh out of the trick right away any thought to when to just jam free from flesh as an aura early yeah so my thinking is that you know what you're looking for is to play trawler drake with a red up on turn four so that if your opponent uses a removal spell on it you can like counter that and get way ahead with the free from flesh as far as like if that doesn't happen if they don't attack into it and they don't use a removal spell on it should you just fire it off that's going to be just like a 
look at how the race is going type calculation. Like, is that going to, you know, shave X turns off of your clock slash make your, you kill your opponent before they kill you kind of question. Uh, it's that one's kind of weirdly just math. You know, some of that math can factor in if my opponent has, you know, X number of removal spells that can answer, you know, which portion of my creatures you can, you, you can factor, you know, the mana use of the removal spells that you predict into the like damage combat math turn, you know, race calculation that you're doing. But, you know, basically the answer to when should you use free from flesh just to make your guy bigger is pretty similar to when should you just fire off a combat trick for damage a little bit different in that the combat trick for damage is often just well only when it kills them because it's not doing like damage over time like it's not adding long-term power and uh this certainly can be but it's you know still the way to answer it is to just you know, do math on like when when the race is ending and whether it's changing things. Next up, I had a really cool blue-red artifact deck the other day. Is this like a useful niche to pay attention to? Like I said, I think that, you know, um, the primary like artifact matters payoffs at common in blue-red are like the escaped experiment, like the two one that gives minus X minus O for artifacts and I. And I've seen discussion of blue-red decks doing that. And, like, blue-red decks do like Chrome Prowler and they like Barbed Batterfist. And those can kind of send you in that direction. But I really think that um, I just doesn't quite play the kind of game you're looking for, even if you can trigger it reasonably often. And uh, Escaped Experiment uh, risks running into the everything is too small problem of blue red. So I'm mostly pretty skeptical of like playing blue red, like blue white most of the time. The next question is about monumental facade. That's the colorless land that comes into play with two oil and you can tap it and remove a oil, move an oil from it to something else basically. And you know, that that's just a, how good is your mana, but more importantly, how good is oil on your other cards question. Uh, I think most of the time you don't want to be playing uh, cards like the Cackler, the uh, three mana, two, three Trampler that gets plus one uh, power for each oil, each permanent you control with oil uh, when it attacks. But the Monumental Facade is very good with that card because it's an easy, reliable way to get oil on multiple permanents. But uh, you know, mostly like I'm looking at Engraver and Raptor as my primary and then, you know, Furnace Strider eventually as my primary oil cards for this archetype. And if those are all I have for it, then maybe like if I want to play 17 lands, then I could probably often be like 881 with that. But if I want to play 16 lands, I'm probably not going to play it. And if I have like a lot of double pips in both colors, I'm probably not going to play it unless I have some other higher impact uh, oil things that I'm playing. Um, but for the most part, I wouldn't prioritize that card in blue red because I think that oil isn't really like you have some of it, but I don't feel like it's what you're about really. Opening Ovika and early packs is enough reason to be uh blue red i don't have 
a strong opinion about Ovika at this point. Uh, it is very expensive. It is pretty high impact, uh, but I am pretty skeptical of, you know, seven mana blue red card as like a thing to take early in a draft. I have generally not expected that it's a card that I would be looking to first pick. As far as like whether once you're already in blue red, you should take it when you open it. I'm not sure about that either. My guess, and I haven't studied the stats on this card or anything, but my guess is that it's worse than the premium commons, but I'm not, I have low confidence on Ovika in general. Ovika, for people who don't know the name, is the blue-red five, so seven mana, six, six flying uh, ward, pay three life, that gives you haste goblins equal to the uh, mana value of non-creature spells that you cast, which is, you know, very, very strong in the right deck if you have it in play but also extremely expensive. How hard are you trying to avoid blue in the early picks? Um, my answer to that and theory on when and whether you should play blue is, I would say, incomplete. I know some players who have leaned one way or another, and I, I don't have a firm answer on what's best for you or for me or for a player in general. I am currently open to taking, you know, good blue rares early, like Blue Sun's Twilight uh, is a card that I would be pretty happy to first pick. My belief is that blue can generally be expected to be uh, drafted an amount that is commiserate with its win rate, such that uh, if you start with a really good blue card, you'll get past blue cards at like an appropriate rate but uh, i wouldn't fault someone for not wanting to get involved but i lean towards splashing a ravager in blue red or focus on consistency of colors i, I mentioned that i would always splash cinder slash ravager in blue red the card is definitely powerful enough that you should go out of your way to find a way to do it is chimera in a similar spot as the trawler that you play if you have free from flesh yeah, I think it's like not horrible to put Chimera in your deck. I think it's really bad to prioritize Chimera as like a reason to draft Blue Red or just to see it as like a strong card in general. But I think it's like a fine, you know, filler type also ran to put in the deck um, and Free From Flesh makes it better. Do you like Aspirant's Ascent? I um, think that it is considerably worse than free from flesh in this archetype you really aren't getting a lot of value out of the toxic one from it but it's you know another like i don't think it's the end of the world if your deck has one of them type cards but you know i, I think it's i would probably like it less than a furnace scamp in my average blue red deck Someone else uh, says they have toxic uh, trophied with a blue red proliferate toxic deck. Uh, was it just luck? I mean, I would say that blue has the ability to do that, and red can contribute to proliferate with, I believe, exactly volt charge, and can contribute to toxic with literally nothing. So it sounds like you managed to put some red cards in, like a blue black deck, and didn't happen to have black cards. But I, I don't see any reason that like 
blue red would be the correct colors to be in if you're trying to do the thing that blue black does well but you say that blue red is generally primarily red i would say that there are a lot more good red commons than good blue commons however in most tables more people will be picking more of the red commons than the blue commons and as a result uh you could end up with uh either color balance is trawler drake a build around if you get a couple of them yes it is but you shouldn't go far out of your way to do it like Yes, but it's a bad build around. Uh, you can play like a couple extra tricks or a couple extra experimental auguries to support them, but you shouldn't like go crazy with it. Um, and you shouldn't, you know, like I said, you shouldn't play like furnace sp spell bomb to interact with your trawler drakes. One player has the experience that their chimeras usually get answered, uh, but it feels like if you untap with them, you win. My experience has been that I will not infrequently activate a uh, chimera multiple times and lose anyway because the kind of game that it's playing like the thing that i was saying about just like everything i'm doing with and around it is too small and my opponent just like plays some cards that matter more than it and i lose i have played a game or two that it's taken over but for the most part i find that it doesn't perpetuate itself especially well and it draws cards slash maybe kills things quite slowly and in a way that just doesn't matter that much most of the time next up do you find the five five reach menace guy that's the uh uncommon uh five mana red creature um whose name i'm also blanking on right now i do like that card in this archetype i think it's very slightly worse than furnace strider but uh, definitely gets the job done. I think both Reach and Menace are pretty relevant and uh, the stats are good. It's, you know, the, the kind of high impact card that I am looking for. Next up, is Blue Red better with a splash? I mean, if the splash is Cinder slash Ravager, then yes. But uh, I don't think that you should be like trying to find a way to add cards of another color just to do it. Uh, I think that goes for any deck, really. You know, it's better in general if your mana is easier and you don't have to splash. But, you know, if there are good cards, then they can improve your deck. Do you think there's an amount of payoffs you could end up with where the spells matter thing is worth doing? I guess it depends on what it means to do it. Like... I think the rare payoffs, like the Spell Dancer, the 2-1 uh, unblockable that can copy your spells, is a really strong card. And if you have one or maybe more of those, then you might want to, you know, play one or two extra spells or prioritize, you know, cards like Volt Charge or Experimental Augury very slightly higher. And, you know, I mentioned that, like, with some of the other stuff like Trawler Drake, you can prioritize free from flesh a little bit higher. But like I wanna I've talked more about Trawler Drake than it probably deserves. Like, to be clear, Trawler Drake wins less in blue-red on 17 lands, like, you know, historically, than Ribskiff, the 
a vehicle with Toxic 2 that really doesn't make any sense in Blue-Red. So the, like, amount you have to, like, overcome in terms of how bad the, like, baseline cards involved in this, like, Spells Matter space is, is really extreme. So it's really a space where you just shouldn't be trying to do that. Like, I, I really hope the takeaway here is don't do the Spells Matter stuff. Do play the generally good red commons. You want Axiom Engraver, Barb Batterfist, Chimney Rebel, and Furnace Strider, and Hexgold Slash and Volt Charge. Um, like, those are the commons that you want in every red deck. The same thing applies to blue-red. And then, you know, the, the good blue support for that is, like, the Raptor and some uncommons and maybe Chrome Prowler. Um, but you, you should just be, like, the, you know, aggressive red deck and kind of don't really worry about what blue is doing to kind of change that. Just look for what blue can contribute to support that. Uh, there was another question. If splashing, are you playing prisms or just hoping to get a bunch of expanses? Ideally, expanses, prisms are more acceptable. So usually I prefer dune movers to prisms. I think I still prefer dune mover to prism in blue-red, but it's certainly closer than it is in other archetypes. And then experimental augury can also kind of help splash. Uh, and of course, axiom engraver. All right, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. So as always, thanks everyone for listening, uh, especially thanks to those of you watching live and asking questions to you know help make sure I've covered everything. And I will be back next week continuing to talk about whatever the um, patrons vote for. So have a good week and I'll see you then. Bye everyone. Bye.